This is Dr. Shannon M. Clark with A Doctor Delivers Podcast, and today I am sharing my story of pregnancy loss along with Joanne Philemon. Have a listen. Good afternoon, everyone. I am going to be joined shortly uh, with a uh, fellow Instagrammer that I have done a podcast with actually before, and we decided to just have a conversation about what our pregnancy loss experiences were. And I think she is here. There she is. She'll be joining soon. Hi. Hi. How are you? You look beautiful. Oh, thank you. So do you. (laughs) We got light colors. We do. We're all about the gray. I was just telling everybody, uh, we, this is not going to be, uh, I didn't do an outline. This is not a formal medical informational topic. We have been planning on doing this for a while, uh, just right. to talk about our, it's just woman to woman, person to person talking about our mm-hmm. experiences with pregnancy loss. Um, right. tell us uh, how did we first meet podcasting? I yeah. think we, Kim and I, um, we have nutrition lifestyles with Kim and Joanne wellness podcast. We're both dietitians. And you're, Joanne, found, you're Joanne. I'm Joanne. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Joanne Simon. Yeah. I am a registered dietitian nutritionist. And yes. so we were looking for someone just to talk about fertility, um, a professional expert. And we found you online on IG. And that's mm-hmm. how we met. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was uh, several months ago. And we were planning yeah. on doing this, uh, this discussion, but for whatever reason, it got pushed off a couple of times. So here we are. Um, and I want to thank you for doing this because, uh, again, I, most everything that I do is very, you know, we want to hit what ACOG says and all that, but I, I just want to kind of talk as, <clears throat> as someone who's been through it, right? you know, right. and I think it's important to hear that as well. So what's the topic of the day? The topic is pregnancy loss. We tell our stories. Tell your story. <laughs> well, my story began 11 years ago. It was 11 years ago. My husband and I, we were five years in to our marriage and we had had all our fun, all of our traveling out the way that we wanted to get into and we started, decided that we wanted to start a family. And so I think, I feel like it may be, um, I was on birth control. So I got off of birth control. I had already interviewed my OBGYN mm-hmm. here in Atlanta. So I had somebody selected. I spoke to them, asked them what I should, what I should be doing. Um, how long should I wait after I finish my birth control? All that um, conversation. And so I felt like it took me maybe four months of me trying mm-hmm. to get pregnant. And then so I got pregnant and I was excited, of course, because this is my first one. I've never had this experience before. And so I think we found out immediately because, of course, we were trying. Yeah. So um, I think it was week six and a half at six and a half weeks. Um, I think I was at church. And I felt like this little twinge, like a little sharp pain, like just a poke near like my abdomen, Mm -hmm. like right below my belly button area. And I didn't really know what that meant. Um, And I was like, ooh, that didn't feel too good, but okay. So I went along with my day and that was Saturday. Um, By Saturday evening, I started to see light pink. And so I started doing all kinds of research. Um, It was the weekend, so um, I didn't have total access to my practice, the practice that I go to. 
And so I just was looking online and I, I saw that, okay, this could be normal. Some mm -hmm. people early on in pregnancy, they can see some bleeding happen. Mm -hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean anything. Um, and so by Sunday, I started to have it not only see light pink, but like bright red. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then cramping was coming mm -hmm. along with it. Um, and so I started to get worried because I was like, this can't be normal. Yeah. This is starting yeah. to look like normal, regular period. period occurring. Yeah. So um, by Monday, it just so happened that that Monday I had an appointment. Either I had an appointment or I scheduled one. Um, so I went in on Monday. And <laughs> uh, they since changed sonographers. But my sonographers, I could already tell from the look of her. So she went and um, started doing my ultrasound. And she just kept on just like eyeing me like this. Mm. She didn't say anything. She mm. just kept on eyeing me. And I'm like, okay, that doesn't look right. That doesn't feel right. And so I said, what's going on? And she's like, I can't, you know, yeah. that's the doctor's the one that's going to um, tell you everything. And so when I got to speak to the doctor, they said, you know, they saw um, there is a sac, there is a fetus in there, but there's no heartbeat. Mm -hmm. And so that was, I was like, okay, what does that mean? They were like, well, are you sure um, you've calculated correctly? Maybe you're calculating too early because what we're seeing looks like it's five weeks. Um, so maybe it's too early for there to be a heartbeat. heartbeat. Mm -hmm. um, and I said, well, I don't think so because I've jotted everything down. I was using this app. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it, I'm, I'm correct in this. And then, so I was in grad school, actually. Mm -hmm. I was the, at the end of grad school, I live in Metro Atlanta and I was mm. traveling to Athens, which is an hour away from yeah. me for grad school. And so on Tuesday, um, Wednesday, I think it was Wednesday, I went to school to do a presentation. And now after I've gone through pregnancies full term, I know what was happening was actual labor, mm. but I was presenting and I had like the worst, worst current cramps yeah. occurring. They were bad. And I'm like, this is not normal. So my husband was out of town for work. Mm. So I was traveling back. I was just like hitting the steering wheel. I was like, oh my gosh, this is, I removed my seatbelt. I was looking mm. to see if a cop was looking around, mm -hmm. looking at me. Mm -hmm. I was in pain. I got home. Finally, I, I still didn't know what was happening. Yeah. I took some Tylenol. I went to bed. I woke up the next day and I found the embryo in my underwear mm -hmm. and I was devastated mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was definitely because I was still holding on hope yeah that people have said they've bled like normal bleeding yeah. and nothing mm -hmm. happened mm -hmm. and so I was holding on hope and so they um took it um told me to bring in um the embryo and I brought it in and they tested it and um I was told it was chromosomal abnormalities mm -hmm. not compatible with life Mm -hmm. And so since then, I, I, I've never, I've never gotten over it, I guess mm -hmm. you could say. Mm -hmm. I've, I've never um, forgotten about it. I feel mm -hmm. like that was my baby girl. Mm -hmm. I have four boys now. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like, and not that anyone has ever said this to me, but I feel like the perception from society would be that I've now had four successful pregnancies. Why would I be like, I'm getting teary. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. 
why would I be like so hung up on this? And I just, I've, I have been, I've, I've wanted to, you know, I've always thought myself that I was going to have a girl. I felt mm -hmm. like this was it. It may or may not have been whatever. Yeah. Um, but just the loss itself yeah. was not, um, I've never gotten over it. So with every pregnancy that I've had since, I never, you know how people say, speak to the belly and, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. I've never let, allowed myself to fall in love until I get to about 32 weeks, mm. I would say, when I start getting mm. a little safer. Yeah. That's when I, you know, I'll start to feel, okay, something happens. They can save this baby. Mm -hmm. um, and I start getting into the, okay, I'm going to be a mom yeah, mode. Yeah. Um, and it's been four times. It's been four times. Yeah, it's been four times. So recently, mm -hmm. this is very recent, um, in December, my husband and I found out we were pregnant again. And so, like I said, four times now I've gone through this and I've always been very cautious with my heart and protecting my mental state, I guess, in some way. Mm -hmm. And so we found out we were pregnant in December and we weren't trying. It mm -hmm. happened. We're not trying, but we're not not trying. Yeah, right, right, so, right. Mm -hmm. so if it happens, we're like, okay. But um, so we got pregnant. I was excited. Mm -hmm. I was excited. Um, I was shocked, but then I became excited. Something I never do. Yeah. I never do this. And I became excited. And I, I think it was six weeks in again. It was mm -hmm. six weeks in. Six weeks in. Um, it was on Tuesday. I actually found out a family member had died from COVID. We had been battling in the hospital mm -hmm. and he died in my culture haitian american that i am they always say like don't shock a pregnant pregnant woman yeah. if she they get shocked you know it's gonna affect them da, da 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 and i will say that my last pregnancy um my fourth child i had a family member that died then i was 12 weeks mm -hmm. um went to the funeral found out she was unplanned like we didn't know anything would happen to her and i had went on and had a full-term healthy baby Mm -hmm. So that goes to tell you that that's not, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I had the shock and, but I, I still felt like weird when I found out that he died on Tuesday, even though the signs were there with everything that was going on with him. Um, so Friday of that week, I was, my kids are in digital school. So I got up to go feed them. I think it was lunchtime and I just, doubled over mm. and I was like what what is this is this like I need to have a bowel movement what yeah what, yeah. what is this pain so I went to the bathroom wiped and it was light pink mm. and I said oh yeah. not again not again and so I started getting very scared I you know told my husband mm. um we started looking, I started looking again, like, what is this? What could this mm. be? What could this mean? I have a lot of um, health professionals in my family, a lot of nurse practitioners and doctors. So I started contacting people. And I had an appointment that Monday coming, that mm -hmm, was going to be my mm -hmm. first appointment. And um, with my OBGYN. And so that was Friday night, Friday, midday, by nighttime, I started seeing brown, mm. Saturday morning, it was Friday late night, it was 
bright red by then. Mm -hmm. And then Saturday morning, it was just full on red. Mm -hmm. And then I was just passing tissue the whole day. And I was like, like how you never, you never Mm -hmm. get excited and you get excited and then this happens. So I I was devastated. Mm -hmm. I will tell you, I was devastated. And it's so funny because the day, the Saturday that it was happening is the Saturday that you, you emailed me and you were like, um, when are you available? Let's do this chat. And I was like, mm. I'm having a miscarriage right oh. now. And she's. <laughs> I didn't know. Was, I didn't no, know. No, 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 no. You <laughs> didn't know. No, 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 no. Yeah, I know. I know. You. I know. No, no. Yeah. I, I was thinking to myself, I was like, what a coincidence that we're going to be mm. talking about this. And just right now, mm-hmm. at this time, I'm having a miscarriage. That's the thought that ran to my head. Nothing. Against no, me. no, I know. I know. I know. I just, um, I just, it's co- pretty coincidental. Yeah. Yeah. It's very mm-hmm. coincidental. And then so. Yeah, so I went in on Monday again, and um, this time it was different. There was no, there was no embryo that I saw mm-hmm. that passed. It was just like a lot of tissue, a lot of tissue yeah. Saturday. Sunday, I was bleeding. I bled for like five or six days. Went to the doctor on Monday. They checked me, and there was nothing. There was mm-hmm. not even a sac. There was nothing. Okay. Um, but I was testing positive. I was yeah. um, pregnant. Mm-hmm. chemically I guess I don't know what you call it yeah you, you probably know the term for that yeah I mean it sounds I mean if you have to classify it, it probably would be a chemical pregnancy although you know if you hadn't had an ultrasound yet they could have a week or so before that had seen something so we you know, right. know. so right. you know chemicals typically happen at five weeks or under you know right after that first initial miss period and you said you're about six weeks so there could have been a gestational mm-hmm. sac or something, but you know, uh, whether it was a chemical pregnancy or, you know, what we call a blighted ovum or antibiotic pregnancy, it could have been one of those mm-hmm, as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and the one thing I want to ask you, you know, I hear all the time that people, I don't know, people think whether it's your first loss, whether you've had kids or not had kids, whether you've had kids and then had a loss, that somehow mm-hmm. you're supposed to feel different. Right. It, it's better that it's worse if it's your first pregnancy was a loss. Right. It should be easier if you've already had other babies and then you had a loss. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any truth to that. No. Does it matter? I mean, did it, was it, you know, was it easier or worse because it was your first pregnancy? Was it easier or harder because it was your fifth, you know, uh, sixth pregnancy? I mean, there's really no, uh, no, no, it's, it's not any different. I, I don't think. I, I totally agree with you. It, I don't feel like it's any different. My first one was more of a shocker, maybe, because it was the first time I was ever pregnant. Yeah. Then mm-hmm. you started thinking of what did you do wrong yeah, yeah. to cause this. Well, I think um, there's, a, there's a thing that, uh, especially in certain cultures, you know, it's, uh, you know, people don't miscarry their first pregnancy, that it's less common. And it's not less common. A lot of women mm, are people miscarry yeah. their first pregnancies. So uh, the bottom line is that miscarriage and pregnancy loss can happen, happen at any time. Right, right. Yeah. And, and at any age. I mean, you know, uh, uh, what was your difference in your ages between your first pregnancy versus this last one? 11 years. So I was 29 and mm-hmm. 39. Yeah. So I was 28, 29 the first time and now I'm 39. Yeah. 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 I mean, and it, it, so. doesn't, it doesn't make it any easier because you have four kids at home. No, no. Yeah. And I've, I've, I've not, I've talked, of course, to my husband about this and maybe mm-hmm. some close close friends but I've not talked about it a lot especially as years have gone by because again no one has ever said this to my face but I feel like the perception that I've read online or would would think that people would think of me is that 
there are people who've never had kids who are not able to have kids and you've had four successful yeah. pregnancies. Why are you still hung up? Yeah, like wall, it's almost like you, know? you don't have the right to be sad. Right. Because you right. have four kids. And that's mm -hmm. another thing I want to mention. I don't think that's fair. No. I, I mean, I guess I kind of get from those that have never been able to even get pregnant or have never had a successful pregnancy. Well, at least you have four. And I understand that that probably comes from a place of hurt. And I don't mm -hmm. know, I would say that most people are not doing it to be uh, insensitive. It's coming from their own hurt. Yeah. Um, but, and I get that, but for those that have had successful pregnancies and had loss, it's still a loss and it's still going to hurt no matter how many kids you have at home. Right. Yeah, definitely. It hurts. It, I mean, this time around, I, I'm, I'm just now getting over it, not over it, but like yeah. over the not wanting to talk about it. So like for the first week, my mom, my aunt, they were calling me. And I was like, I, I just ignored. I didn't really want to talk about it because I was still in like, I can't believe it phase. So is there a part of you that's like, I shouldn't have gotten excited. I didn't with my other four. I yes. shouldn't have gotten excited. Yes. So do you think that maybe you got excited because you weren't planning it and you, it came out of the blue? I got excited because I said, this has to be the, every time. Yeah, this has <laughs> to be the, the first game. one. After the first successful uh, full-term pregnancy that I've had, after every every one of those, I've said, oh, this has to be the girl this has. So every time I get pregnant, I'm like, this is the girl. And so like my husband, for me as a woman who's pregnant and my husband who is not pregnant, it doesn't really become as real to him, I yeah. feel, yeah. until he starts seeing the big belly, the belly, the belly and yeah. all that stuff. For me, it's real because I, I immediately start feeling doing something yeah, down there yeah, I'm really yeah. in tune with my body in that yeah. way and so um I was already settled with the idea that we're yeah. about to have a fifth mm -hmm. he was still settling yeah and he said gotcha. um you know he said he himself he has not gotten excited either and so I'm way well into pregnancy yeah. since the first one and he's like I don't know um what got you so excited? I was like, because I really thought, I just thought this was it. Mm -hmm. And then so I, 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 I know, I don't know who's religious out there or who believes in a higher power. I started talking to God. I was mm -hmm. like, why? Mm -hmm. Like, why? You shouldn't have given it to me at all. Like, why yeah, get me pregnant yeah. and then I lose it? Like, yeah. so I had all, I went through the whole um, phases of loss. Yeah. Um, and I'm still going through it. Sure. So it's, yeah, I, I do feel like I shouldn't have gotten excited. Yeah. Well, you know, I think, and I, you know, I, you know, I'll, I'll tell my story about loss in a little bit, but as someone who I'm the one that tells people they've lost their pregnancy, mm -hmm. I'm the one that delivers the losses that manages the losses. People blame themselves for everything. They blame themselves if it's the first miscarriage, if it's, you know, the seventh miscarriage, if it's after four pregnancies, they blame themselves if they didn't get excited. They blame themselves if they got excited. It's, it's in our nature, I think, because it's our bodies that we're going to blame ourselves first mm -hmm. in some mm -hmm. way, shape, or form. It's, if it doesn't end in the way that we want it or ends in a pregnancy loss, there's something that we did to cause it or that we shouldn't have done or we should have done. I shouldn't have mm -hmm. gotten excited at first. Or maybe I should have gotten it, you know, so it's just, it's, it's almost like a no win situation sometimes. And I'm not right. telling people they shouldn't feel that way. Um, because 
it's not my place to, but what I want people yeah. to know is that however you're feeling is okay, but don't beat yourself up too much right. because when it's right. this early and it's an early pregnancy loss, there's very, very little that, there's nothing that, that you could have done. And, and done. I really thought I was like yeah. the first time around, I said, Oh, we're going to, you know, I have good health insurance. We're going to go yeah. to the doctor. They're going to stop this. We're going to, yeah. you know, I was living with that mm -hmm. TV, Hollywood yeah. fairy, whatever yeah. you see on TV happening. Yeah. Um, and she, you know, she was like, there's nothing we can do this yeah. early. It's, it's, you know, yeah. and, and this time around I was breastfeeding. I'm still breastfeeding mm -hmm. my, mm -hmm. my, my fourth. And so I, I was asking, um, my um the the NP that's who I saw that day mm -hmm. and I was and I was like it was a breastfeeding can do yeah. Yeah. yeah I was like there's yeah. no way I mean people have been breastfeeding yeah. and having kids yeah. for eons right. like that's right. not a thing right he's like no yeah I know and and then the other thing is that uh we always want a reason yeah uh, I just had someone message me the other day who you know because you hear all the time and we say it as doctors most of the reasons why you have early miscarriage are because of chromosomal chromosomal abnormalities. We mm -hmm. say most, not all. So when she had a miscarriage and had the genetics back and the genetics were normal, then she thought, well, I had to have done something then because the chromosomes were normal. And it's not that. It's most or yes, early losses are due to chromosomal abnormalities, but not all of them. There mm -hmm. are those that are perfectly normal chromosomally and just for whatever reason it didn't take. And, you know, but I also think it's our nature to want a why. Why did this happen? And right. unfortunately in pregnancy loss, even later, uh, even out of the first trimester, we don't always have a why. And yeah. I know that's it's, it's hard to uh, tell that to a patient right. or a person. It's hard to hear as a patient or a person. But unfortunately, that's that's the case. So yeah. do, do you feel like you need a why? I felt like I needed a why. Mm -hmm. um, just because I'm that kind of person, there's a yeah. cause. There has to be a cause for this effect. Yeah. So that's the thinking that I had. And then not to mention, no one talks about this. Yes. So mm -hmm. the first time around, I never had, I was one of the first people in my group of friends who were um, my age to have a child or to get pregnant. Yeah. So I, I, I never heard of people talk about their miscarriages. That's mm -hmm. not something people talk about often. And so when you, when you think, um, Actually, when I got pregnant 11 years ago, um, I had a friend who got pregnant like the same time, like a month mm -hmm. of each other. And we we're like, oh, my gosh, we're yeah. going to be pregnant, buddy. And then I lost and she went on to yeah. have a healthy um, baby. And so I really thought something was wrong with me because yeah. I had never heard of people having the conversations of, yeah, I've had a miscarriage and or, you know, it happens um, more often than you think. That's not a conversation that you've yeah. heard. Over the years now, we've had more conversations with my friends, people who I've tried to be more vocal about it so people mm -hmm. can know that if it happens to you, you're not alone. Yeah. Um, but back then, I had not heard. And I'm sure a lot of people have yeah, similar yeah. stories. Well, I mean, I also think that whether it's a medical professional or a <clears> friend <throat> or family member, to tell someone, well, this happens a lot, or you know, it's probably chromosomal or you'll go on to have another baby or, you know, this happens to most people. That's, that's not necessarily the answer either. And even no. though they might say that, you know, whenever I, I, and I, I, when I say those things or similar things to a patient I'm counseling, I try to say it in a certain way because I, I don't want to be dismissive. I don't want to say it in a way that dismisses or makes them think that they don't have a right to be upset or grieve. 
mm-hmm. um, you know, or that there's not a reason to feel upset. Um, I, and I have heard stories where it's been dismissed and like, oh, you'll be pregnant the next one. And that's not the right, right. approach either. Right. Most of women, most of them will, and some of them won't. So it's not mm-hmm. fair to do that. So I think we have to be, you know, whether you're a medical professional or a supporting person in that person's life, you know, you have to choose your words carefully. And I, and I, and I think, I think sometimes no matter, you know, matter what people say, it's not going to be the right thing. Um, I think the best thing to do is just be there for that person. I mean, like, what do you think you needed during those times? I'm sure what you, what you needed as a, a 29, maybe a little bit different at 39, or do you think it's the same? Um, it, there's, I feel like it's the same a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, at 29, I needed answers. I needed understanding. Mm-hmm. I needed comfort. Yeah. And I kind of need, did the same thing at 39 as well. Um, at 29, you know, my husband, he'd never gone through this yeah. um, himself. He's not in the medical field at all. So he has mm-hmm. no clue when it comes to the sciences. And so, um, his help was like, he doesn't know what to do. He's, you know, men are very find the answer, help you, but he didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but now this time around, he knew a little bit more like what yeah. I would be looking for. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. we're further along in our marriage right. now. So he knew what I would be looking for to comfort me. Um, but yeah, that comfort um, was what I was looking for this time around. Last time, I can't remember if, did I talk about it a lot? And this time around, no one really even knew that I was mm-hmm, pregnant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I want to, I'm going to tell just briefly go over my story and some of the things that I felt, but I also want to get back to, you know, your thoughts and mine as to why it's not talked about as much. But first mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> I, you know, my first pregnancy, I was, uh, I got pregnant at 39 I got married in May, uh, got pregnant in August and mine was, I'm not sure if it was a chemical or an embryonic demise. Uh, it was definitely positive pregnancy test. I went in for an ultrasound between five and six weeks and there was potentially a gestational sac, but not like well-defined one. And then mm-hmm. within a week I was, again, I was at home alone. My husband was on the road and, uh, same thing started cramping really bad, but mine kind of happened all of a sudden I sat on the toilet and I was like bleeding into the toilet. And I, I knew, I mean, I'm an OBGYN and I, and I knew that, uh, that's what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and being by myself obviously was not ideal because it's, it, you know, I didn't have the support person there and I was talking to my husband on the phone and of course he felt awful, but there was no way to predict that. Right. Um, when in a few days later and the, my endometrial strike was clean, I had passed everything and there wasn't anything to send for testing. And even I probably wouldn't have either, either way, cause I was 39 and I knew that it was likely going to be something genetic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, shortly after that is when we, about six months later is when we started IVF. The one thing I wanted to bring up as far as loss goes, and it's not a pregnancy loss per se, but, you know, uh, going through failed embryo transfers with IVF or going through, you know, uh, and I went through two of those, one with one embryo and then one with two, and I never got a pregnancy test positive with either one of those, um, I still think that was a loss. And why was it a mm-hmm. loss? It was a loss because I had put so much hope into it and I had right. been through the IVF and I, the first one was with my own 
embryo. Uh, we, out of all the cycles of IVF, we got one embryo. We got 16 embryos that were tested gen for genetics and only one was chromosomally normal uh, out of the five cycles. And then that one was put in and that didn't take. Then we went okay. to egg donor, put in two embryos and that didn't take. That was the worst out of all my losses. That was awful because I, I had you know, made the decision to do egg donor. I think this is going to fix everything. I'm going to have babies. And then it failed. Yeah. Yeah. I was home alone by myself when I got the call. And I was absolutely, I was destroyed. It was right. awful. And even though I wasn't pregnant on paper or on a pregnancy test or anything, to me, that was still a loss. And I still think about those losses, um, even though I have twins now. And um, I think for me, it was maybe a little bit different because I've been, always been very vocal from the very beginning. Now, I wasn't doing it in real time. I wasn't you know, going on social media and explaining things as it happened. Most everything I did was mm -hmm. retrospectively once I was ready to, um, mm -hmm. but I have talked about it, but it, it, no matter what it, 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 it's knowing what I know as a medical professional, I still blame myself. I still always thought, was there something I did? Mm -hmm. And again, I think that's just natural to feel that way. And whenever I counsel mm -hmm. someone, I don't tell them, I always say, I'm not going to tell you not to blame yourself. I'm not going to tell you that because I know I would feel the same way, but this is what I want you to know. I don't think it's fair for us to say, oh, you didn't do anything. There's nothing, you, can, you know, even though that's true, it doesn't make it any better. Right. 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 I mean, we still have to go through whatever we have to go through, uh -huh. whether that is to process working it, it out mm -hmm. to process it. We work it out, you know, and then come to the other side. Is it my fault? And then come to the other side. Well, you know, it's probably not my fault. So it's kind of like a process. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I did the same thing. It's a yeah. process that you – and you you got to go through your process the way it works for you. Yeah. It may be different than somebody else's process, healing process, to um, live on is what I say. Not necessarily move on from, from it, but to live on from it. Mm -hmm. um, you just got to process it. Yeah, and, and I – I had done a live, dis uh, just a quick live discussion the other day and it, the words came out of my mouth and I wasn't even, it's not like something I had thought about before, but I had said something along the lines of, you know, even though I had twins at home, infertility will always be a part of me. And those losses will always be a part of me forever. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think it's true. Um, you still, it's like something that's, you went through, it, it's part of you. I'm not ever going to try to get rid of that part of me because it is part of me, the good and the bad part of it. You know, I ultimately got my twins and I have healthy children and I'm very thankful for that. But I also, uh, I, I don't know if there's a part of me that doesn't want to just kind of dismiss it or push it aside because it, mm -hmm. it still matters to me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. yeah, and so yeah. that, that's, that is something that's always going to be a part of me. How do you, how do you feel? Do you feel like you, it, you know, you've processed maybe your first loss, maybe not so much yet your second loss, but that's yeah, still part I, of you. And, and you, you don't want to forget about it. You want to, and you want to kind of you know, sit in it, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I tried the first time to get over it because I think mm -hmm. that's, I thought that's what everyone would want me to do. To, yeah. like, no one wants to be around somebody who's always yeah. like talking about it and whatnot. Um, but I, it, it, it's always been with me. Like I lost this child. I'm not yeah. going to say I win at everything that I do, um, mm. but I, I try to be the best and I always yeah. go for a goal and mm. I, you know, attain that goal. Yep. And my goal has always been to have a girl and mm. I know I don't have any control over it, Yeah, so to speak, naturally that is, 
And I, I just can't wrap it around my head that I've not been able to do that. And so I think about my loss. I, I think about this time around. I think I will say that one reason why I think it may have been worse for me in thinking is because I never saw an embryo. Yeah. And I feel like I flushed my child. I just feel like I flushed it down the toilet. Mm -hmm. And that hurt me. Mm -hmm. That kept going go over my mm -hmm. head, get running through my head, running through my head, and running mm -hmm. through my head. And um, there's some steps that I, that I had already started thinking ahead. Like I said, I never do this. I started thinking ahead. Um, this summer, we had plans to do some stuff. Finally, in the pandemic with family members, I'm like, I'm going to be this um, far along. Da -da 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 -da. Um, and then when talks of the planning for this event came up again, it just reminded me of, yeah, you're not pregnant anymore. Mm -hmm. I even, I already went into some talks with some brands. Mm -hmm. um, I'm telling you, I never do this. I yeah. went to some talks with some brands um, of stuff that I was going to be doing. And I had to let Nothing everyone know. Mm -hmm. So I have had a, a lot more reminders, I would say, that keeps popping up of, of it. And not that I, yeah. I want to totally forget. I, it's, I think it, it's, it's going to be with me forever. I don't think I'll ever yeah. forget it. Yeah. No, and I agree. I, I don't think it's anything that goes away. And I don't think it's fair for people to be made to feel that way. Um, and I think a loss is a loss no matter when it happens. And I say that all the time. You know, it, it is a, lo a loss is a loss no matter when it happens. And however you how much ever uh how excited you got you know if you were kind of reserved at first that's okay too i i wish the one thing i could like if you could tell anybody that's going through something similar to you or will go through something similar to you what would be the one thing you would tell them it's not your fault mm -hmm. it's hard it's i feel like when you're going through it some the most expert of persons can say that to you and it doesn't resonate so maybe mm -hmm. if we talked about it in general and people knew it beforehand not that it would or would not help I'm not quite sure but maybe if you had some understanding of it when you are going through it you'll be less um, harsh on yourself mm -hmm. and blaming yourself mm -hmm. so not you know the first time around not having heard of anyone in my circle having miscarriages I blame myself even when they told me chromosomal abnormalities to me you're saying there's some chromosomal something wrong with me mm -hmm. or my husband or mm -hmm. so something is our fault mm -hmm. and that's what kept on going through my head mm -hmm. I think I would tell people that uh however you feel it's okay if you're sad it's okay if you're not sad it's okay mm -hmm. if you know you're angry. Um, if you feel all of those things at different times or at the same time, I mean, however you feel, it's okay. I hear a lot from people that they get the, and I think maybe it's coming from a place of trying to make it better for them, whether it's a mom or a sister or whatever they, you know, they try to say, you know, support them in a way to, but it's kind of telling them how they should feel. That's mm -hmm. not exactly fair because we all are different people and we feel things differently. So however it is that you feel is okay. And I would also encourage people to be around the people that support you who, who are not trying to 
project yeah. onto you how they think you should be uh -huh. handling it. I think right. that's important too. And I think it's also okay. You can tell people as much as you want to tell them, or you can tell them nothing. You don't owe anybody anything. You don't have right. to tell them, you know, I think with social media sometimes, and you can give me your thoughts on this with social media sometimes and how much people are sharing, which I think is a great yeah. thing about social media. But sometimes I think it makes appeal makes people feel. Right. Either. Oh, do, are you, am I back? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're back. Okay. You're back. Now I, I think with social media and the, and the oversharing and not oversharing yeah. that people share so much yeah. I realize now that there's this kind of idea that you're supposed to be sharing everything or you're supposed to be feeling a certain way or right. you should be doing this or that. And that's not really fair. Cause I think you need to do what's best for you. And if you don't want to share, right. you don't, that's fine too. Right. And, and the, the age that we live, some people, this is how they process. Yeah. They may not have anyone to speak to around them, or they may feel like they're more comfortable speaking with the person that's not present, like physically present, but social media would be like, the place that I can talk about it and get some relief from talking about it. Yeah. Um, but again, when you share, people feel like they have to comment. Um, and, and it's okay to provide supportive comments, but it's the people who are, yeah. you know, going to provide the negative comments. Mm -hmm. That's where the problem comes. You know, people who would tell you you've had, successful yeah. pregnancies why are you sad yeah you know yeah and, and yeah so with the sharing I will say overwhelmingly it's positive anytime I've shared but there's always going to be the negative and you can't get away from it it's social media and mm -hmm. uh, it, it is what it is um but fortunately it's been always mostly been very positive I'm sure you've had the same experience but back to what I was you know circling back to um why do you, why do you think it's so common? It is so common. Mm -hmm. People talk about their diabetes. They'll talk about heart disease. Why, right. what is it about pregnancy loss that is so hard to talk about? <laughs> I think it's the, not power. Power is not the word I'm looking for. It's the, being a woman equals having a baby mentality that has been going on for ages and ages, like, or the cycle of you get in third age, you get married, next comes baby. And so when you're not able to do those things, then you don't want to talk about the fact that something's wrong with you and you can't do what society has said is what's supposed, it's to, supposed happen. to happen. Yeah. I, th yeah. I think that may be one of the reasons why people, um, you know, not want to talk about it. They don't want people to know that something may be wrong. Like they, they want what they think something may be wrong with them. Like if I tell people about this, people are going to think that something's wrong with me. Or, and the thing is that like, I was five years, again, I'm Haitian American. So Caribbean folks, you get married, a baby's coming mm -hmm. soon. Mm -hmm. And so my husband and I wanted to travel. I was finishing up grad school. And so I was five years in and my mom was telling me like, every time I went back to Orlando to visit, um, people would ask her or people would say, you know, what's, you know, Joanne hasn't had a baby yet. What's going on? You know, they give you that look like thinking that I've been trying and I've just not been able to have a baby, but that wasn't the case at all. We weren't trying. Um, but that's what people expected yeah. is a baby to come out of me um, as soon as I got married. And so when I did try and I lost it, 
Mm. You know, I started to think, okay, something may be wrong with me. Mm -hmm. And I've never heard anyone else talk about this. Whenever people are ready to have kids, they have kids. Mm -hmm. I've never heard anyone say they've had a miscarriage. Yeah. So I think, I think, I think the, the judgment from people the, thinking the that something's wrong with you. Yeah. Yeah. The fear of judgment, but people are judgmental. And especially in certain cultures, I know we, we, we were, we discussed a little bit about talking about that, you know, the, the difference yeah. in cultures in, in, in the black community and in the Haitian community, as your experience as a Haitian American woman, uh -huh. Is there something culturally about, is there, is it stigmatized to a certain degree about pregnancy loss? Is it, you know, more, is it the pregnancy loss or the waiting? Is there something about, you know, how in your community and your culture, how is pregnancy loss addressed? Handled. Handled. Yeah. I feel like it's, um, the, I, I don't think I've grown up in my surroundings where people, um, are judgmental and, um, harsh against mm -hmm. people who are pregnant or who've had um, miscarriages but I feel like there's whispers mm -hmm. of of people saying oh what's what's wrong with them you know they've been together mm -hmm. five plus years ten years and there's no baby something has to be wrong something you know mm -hmm. so um I I've seen that I again the the conversation is not something that is openly done because of the fact that people expect you, they equate womanhood yeah. and being, you know, a woman with having big kids. Mm -hmm. And so people don't want to have that conversation. And so, and, and, and talk about any of their losses, I think. And I think that's what makes them hesitant mm -hmm. about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I hear that a lot of from people who have experienced pregnancy loss and those that are going through infertility from different cultures all over the world, how isolating it can be because of how their particular culture approaches infertility and or pregnancy loss. Mm -hmm, and it can, mm -hmm. it's, it's very lonely for these people to have to go through that and do it on their own, whether it's going through infertility treatments on their own or having to use, or, you know, needing to use an egg donor or right. they just want to wait. They don't want to have babies right now. Right. You know, it, there's so much, Expect, so many expectations put on reproduction in general when you're supposed to reproduce how often you know uh, you know uh, you know how you're, you're supposed to right. do it uh it's a lot of pressure for people and couples to go through that um mm -hmm. that's one thing i wish would ch wish would change uh, i know it's a tall order because there's so many different cultures with different viewpoints on all of those topics um but as someone who gets a lot of messages from from people all over the world. I, I, you know, I hear about it all the time and it's, again, it's very isolating, no matter whether it's, you know, the fertility aspect, infertility, the, the pregnancy loss, you know, I, I want to wait. Um, but yeah. I'm married and my, my parents are expecting me to have, you know, um, it's a lot of pressure. It's, it's a lot. No matter what, no matter what, no know? matter what you do, there's going to yeah. be pressures from someone because everybody has their own opinions about what life should look like. But only you, you, your husband, significant other, um, you're the only one that can know what works for you, what is right for you. Um, but the, the <laughs> a society is always going to have their opinions. They're always mm -hmm. going to have their opinions. Even with, I think my culture, um, I, I don't think fertility assistance, IVF, I, I've never really heard people um, frown upon it, but I don't think it would be accepting 
as it would be as it is in the American society. Yeah. Yeah, and I hear that a lot, too, from different cultures that uh, all those, there are some that do it, they do it under cover because it's not accepted mm -hmm. by their culture. Right. And uh, there are, there's many people that I'm the only one that knows they did it and, or that they use an egg donor. And uh, although I'm glad to be that person for them, I can't imagine how it, it must be, must feel to not be able to share that part right. with even your parents. Right, but, right. but it's it happens and you know i that's one thing that's good about social media you can find support groups you can find places where you're accepted and and i so i do think that's a beautiful part of social media is there's so many more ways to get support and i i try to share a lot of those on, on my social media too but uh you know i i still feel for those that are are doing this on their own you know um there's no right thing that I can say for them because I, you know, no. as much as I might support them, I'm not a family member. And there's something to be said about having those that are close to you supporting you. Mm -hmm. Right. That's very true. Yeah, definitely. Having somebody who is right there with you, understanding mm -hmm. or supporting you, whatever it is that you need is it speaks a lot. It's, mm -hmm. it's way better than of course, having somebody on social media. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I think for me, I, you know, I, you know, I went through a little bit, you know, yes, I went through loss, but I, you know, I was a lot older. Uh, I was also a physician. I, you know, was talking about, you know, fertility and that after age 35 a lot. And I will say overwhelmingly, a lot of the support I got was great, but there were a lot of bad things that were said to me on online mm -hmm. and my family was very good about it. Um, so I never felt like I didn't have the support. I think if anything, my criticism of myself probably was the biggest barrier to feeling supported. Not that I wasn't getting it. Cause sometimes, sometimes I think mm -hmm. that if for me, I was, um, I was critical of myself both as a, as a person and as a physician. And like you said before, you're so used to everything you want to do. I want to do this. I did it. I wanted to do that. Right. I did it. I accomplished this. Right. What's next, but I couldn't accomplish right. that. And that was a very uh, hard pill to swallow for me all those years of going through infertility treatments. I, that's the one thing I couldn't do. And that was supposed to be the one thing I was made to do. To right? do, right, right, right. So, uh, yeah. you know, there's also something to be said to, you know, grieving, you know, the inability to have your own biological children. It doesn't mean I don't love my twins anymore because they're from a, you know, donor egg. But, you know, I had to grieve that too. I had to come to terms with that to not have a right. biological child. Um, yeah. you know, someone just messaged me about that the other day. How do you grieve the loss of your fertility? Uh, yeah. you know, that's a form of loss as well. So Definitely. there's so many aspects to it. You know, I, I think the good thing is that there's, uh, it is being talked about more. Uh, mm -hmm. it needs to be talked about more, but you know, that's why we're doing this. I, I mean, I know this is kind of, you know, not, not scripted in any way, but I think it's good to hear the different types, because it's not just pregnancy loss. There, there's things around fertility and, and all that and infertility that, that make people experience loss. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Like, you know, and, there's so many different aspects of it. Right. You know, the thing is as a woman, as women, we judge ourselves for so many different things. Like I was judging myself because I was telling my husband, it's, three months or so before I found out I was pregnant this last time, I had this conversation with him about um, 
being afraid of the judgment that may come with me having more kids. Mm. People were saying, people thinking people would say, goodness, is she ever going to stop? Like, why is she having so many, you know? So I was, I was, yeah. thinking, I was thinking that and, and he's like, why? Like, what, what do they have to do with it? It's our decision to do whatever we want to do. But mm-hmm. in my mind, it ran through my, yes. through my thoughts. And so. Well, because, why, because it happens. I've seen it happen. You have seven kids. That's enough. You have five kids. Right. That's enough. You have three. That's uh-huh. enough. Somebody's always got something to say about somebody else. It seems like, <laughs> and uh, you know, and I see it all the time. I've heard it. And you know, people get judged if they don't have any kids or they wait too long. They get judged if they have too many kids. So right. I think the, maybe the moral of the story is it, people are going to have something to say. It's kind of up to you on how you receive it or even if you mm-hmm. want to receive it. Mm-hmm. I've kind mm-hmm. of chosen not to receive it. Yeah. That's kind of, that's kind of how I, I, the conclusion I came to, uh, it took me a little bit to understand that, to be like, especially on social media, people have everything to say. I finally just was like, I, why am I going to engage them? Right. There's no reason. And I'm trying or to become that person. A, yeah. 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 I, I just, I finally, I stopped. I stopped engaging them on certain things like that. I'm like, it's not even worth it because first of all, I don't even know who they are. So why would I <laughs> engage them? Right. You know, I don't even know who they are, but you know, even for the people that I did know or were casual friends or whatever, who had something to say, I, I remember when I was going through infertility, a good friend of mine was married to, was newly married. They may have had one kid or just had a kid and she was a twin and her mom had had them later in life. And I was in the midst of IVF and she mm-hmm. was like, Oh, don't, why are you upset? My, my mom had twins when she was 40. You'll be fine. And I was like, I've been through like five cycles of IVF and I just lost it. I couldn't even, I ran to the bathroom. I couldn't even come out of the bathroom because I was like, she has no idea what I've gone through. And I don't think she wants to know what I've gone through. And, but at the same time, I, as I got removed from, I was like, you know what? She, in her way was probably trying to make me feel better. (laughs) But it was probably right. the last thing she I needed thought, at that time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing that we have to, you know how you say never tell someone, ask someone or, or how far along you are just because you see a bulge. Like, yeah. that's the same thing. Like, don't don't comment on people's, um, what people are going through with your own perception of what you think it may be. Because what you see is most likely not the, the whole picture, the whole story of what's going on. You don't know the, the person's past. Mm-hmm. You know what it took them to get to where they 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 are at now, or what mm-hmm. they went through, mm-hmm. and just you know assuming, making assumptions about it, it's not most likely going to be correct. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I'm glad we're talking about this because I think you know, obviously we've never met in person, but we do know each other, and yeah. you know we've been through similar experiences, not the same but different, if you will. Right. And mm-hmm. you know, I. I think it kind of shows the gamut of what you can go through as someone who's gone through, mm-hmm. you know, pregnancy loss or loss in general. Um, I think this is kind of where it starts. I, I'd, whenever I see it start on a Instagram comment thread, it never ends well. It never ends well. People start getting really? out of control and then feelings get hurt and nasty things are said. But, you know, having conversations like this is, I think, is more productive because, um, yeah. Am I making sense? I'm sure you've seen it on social media. Yeah, definitely. Things just kind of get out of hand. And then you have people feeling like they could say anything. 
And, you know, but I wanted to just actually sit down with somebody who's been through it and say, you know, what, what did you feel? Because mm -hmm. that, I think that's the most accurate way to get, get that information instead of just trying mm -hmm. to send it through to, you know, comments on Instagram or Facebook. So mm -hmm. I really appreciate you doing this. I, and I, and I, you you know, I didn't me. know you had went through that recent loss, but I hope that yeah. um, maybe this helped a little bit to talk about it. Maybe. Yeah, it did. It did. I mean, I'm getting to the can, can talk about it more um, mm -hmm. yeah. side of things. And I mean, if anyone out there is listening, like it is okay that you never get over it. It is yeah. absolutely yeah. okay. that And, and mm -hmm. others may not understand and that's fine. Find yourself a community of yeah. people who do understand it but it's not, not it's not it. your job to make people understand right it's not your job no. to make them understand no. what you went through not at <laughs> if all they don't if they don't want to take the time to try to understand just don't just don't and it doesn't mean it doesn't it just if they don't want to take the time to understand just don't waste your time you know find the people that want to understand or you know I, I had, I tell the story at a time I had a, a friend that said to me and she was single, never had kids, wasn't dating anybody at the time. She said, I have no clue what you're going through. I don't know if I'll ever know what you're going through. Mm -hmm. All I know is that I know you're hurting and I want you to know that I'm here. So if there's anything I can do, just tell me what to do. And that was like the best thing anybody could say to that me. She was telling me, I, I don't, I'm not even going to pretend to understand. I'm not going to try to, you know, bond with you over this. I can't bond mm -hmm. with you over this. But mm -hmm. I'm still your friend and I can still help you in some way. And I want to help you. That's kind of what she was saying to me. And that's the kind of people you need. Yeah. Those are some yeah. great, great words. That's mm -hmm. very supportive. Mm -hmm. I've had people, I mean, um, one of my friends who I had told, she, I mean, she sent me a text message recently because I finally told her that I had the miscarriage. I had told her I was pregnant. I told her I had the recent miscarriage. And I mean, she sent me, a, I mean, I haven't seen her in years in real time, in real life. And the text message she sent me was like, it was so supportive. Mm -hmm. It was absolutely understanding, supportive. Um, and I really appreciated it. Mm -hmm. I really mm -hmm. appreciated it because not, you may not understand exactly how I'm feeling. You may not have never experienced it, mm -hmm. but you, you know, you're there to support me. What's wrong? <laughs> okay. I'll be right there. I'll be in there in just a second. Okay. It's okay. Hey, look at me. Hey, right. Okay, come here. Just come here. Come here. I'll, be, I'll take you to bed in a minute. Okay. It's okay. Oh, it's okay. Wow. He's tired and cranky. Well, this is what I'm going to go put to bed. He wants me to go lay down with him, right? You may go lay down with you. I want to lay with you. Okay. Well, oh, he's so cute. <laughs> thank you. So we're going to go down for a nap. But thank you, Joanne, for doing this with me. We'll get together soon, I'm sure. And, yeah, uh, yeah, thank the, you for having me. The next, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something with on, on either on your podcast or something else live with you guys next time. Yeah, thanks for having me, yeah. and um, I was happy to be here. Yeah, and we'll be yeah. in touch. Okay, <laughs> go ahead. Great. Yeah. No, I was gonna say, um, if anyone wants to connect, I'm yes, at wonderfully please. nutritious on Instagram. Yeah, and um, and she's also under my so wonderfully nutritious, and I, I will put it actually in the uh, comment or the caption under this video. That's how you can. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll put it in a caption on this video. Okay. Bye, everyone. Bye, bye. Thank you. Bye, Dr. Shannon. <laughs> bye, bye. Yeah, let me finish this, baby.
I hope you enjoyed that discussion. Now listen to the next episode on preeclampsia.